Dakota Territory. I'm Trent Luce. Welcome to The Journey, the journey we call Dakota Trails and Tales. Hey, hop on in, Baloose Tales, Food Link, Chuck Wagon. Then and only then, we will tool the region, the country, the globe. We will look at the news stories of the day. But at the end of the journey, like every other day in Journey, it is going to be up to you by yourself to determine how and if this information might actually affect us. Living living in a little piece of heaven. Well, I've been in my own little piece of heaven for the last week. Trying to get caught up in things done around here because I'm coming to the real piece of heaven next week. Back to North Dakota, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, the state FFA convention. Really looking forward to that in Fargo. So Todd Mitchell today asked me what we were going to talk about tonight. And at that time, I had no idea. Thanks to Mary Grainer. I now have an idea. She sent me a text. Actually, several people sent me the story. It is the continual disruption on the infrastructure of food and fuel production. You know that we have euthanized nearly 50 million birds, that being turkeys and chickens, in the food production system. Some of those chickens are egg-laying chickens. But this particular situation is a euthanization of a whole different kind, a Howard Lake, Minnesota egg-laying operation that supplies the nation's largest supermarkets with 3 million eggs per day experienced a devastating fire over this past weekend. Forsman's Farms spokesperson John Austin told the local media outlet CARE, K-A-R-E, that they estimated that there cannot be real firm yet, but anywhere between 10,000 chickens up to a couple hundred thousand chickens. A little bit of a spread there, John. There's no joking matter in this. When you talk about 25 food plants that have burned down in the past six months, uh, farms burning down, you know, there are people in the world that know how to burn things, know how to burn things and make it look like an accident. So you ask the question, why do we have people trying to disrupt our food supply? Control. There's no other word for it. When you control the food supply, when you control the energy supply, all indicators are that this summer there's going to be a challenge in the energy sector, energy being electricity. We already know about the energy challenge when it comes to fuel, yet people are driving just as much as they were, still going on that vacation, still spending money left and right that I don't have. You know, stark reality hit me today. Um, we're getting paid well. For the products we produce on our place, that being pigs right now, because we sold our calves in December, we sell pigs every week, and we're getting paid a fair price. The problem is our feed expense is outpacing the fair price we're being paid. And you look at what's going on in the pork sector, we have a, a very high pi price being paid for pigs, but yet they're selling it at the retail level at a, a below-cost price. Why would they do that? Why in the beef sector would we increase beef prices at the retail level by 30% and pay the producers the same as we were paying them a year ago? Why would those things happen? It can only happen is if somebody in a global food control model is dictating what is going on to create chaos and confusion. Through chaos and confusion... 
people attempt to come into the darkness and lead people to the light. I choose not to be led to the light. I choose to find the sunlight on my own. I don't care how tough it gets. We're going to make it work. And that needs to be the motivation for every person. And if you think you're going to do that on a national level and you think you're going to sit back and wait for something absolutely fantastic to happen in Washington, D.C. that's going to fix all of this, you're watching the wrong fairy tale. The fix to this is the God-fearing people stand up in the local community and we bring back front and center the importance of community. We bring back, back front and center working together to produce those essentials of life. We bring back front and center working together to provide for those in need. That is the mere definition of a community. That's what built these communities at a time of greater peril than we're in now because our forefathers jumped in a covered wagon. They came west with everything they had, went into the wild wilderness of the Great Plains of America and said, Honey, not too crowded here. Maybe an Indian or two not happy with this, but let's just plant our stakes right here. We have everything made for us. We don't have to plant our stakes. Our stakes are planted. We just need to take a stand. We just need to stand up and say, you're not going to do this on my watch. It's that simple. And when you have that gun in one hand and the Bible in the other, pretty much all you need. Men and women of faith built this nation. Men and women of faith will carry it to the next tier. Also had a conversation today with Nicole Hunt. Nicole Hunt was one of the female truck drivers that I brought to the radio airwaves back in January with the Canadian Freedom Convoy. She was such a tremendous spokesperson then, and she still is. I was very proud to be on her maiden voyage of her own podcast. She's put that together because she said, Trent, you know, I think we did something quite significant. We captured the attention of not only the lawmakers in Ottawa. I don't know that we made a difference that we wanted to make, but we did make a difference. But we can't stop there. We need to know what is next. What are we going to do next? And so what she's doing is bringing the thoughts and the momentum, the energy of people together to find that next step in the solution. So when Nicole and I talked about how you can't just let it set, you have to find the next thing to do, that that was quite rewarding because that is the answer. Too many people think that you make a stand, you do something one time, and that's it. You're going to make all the difference in the world. What policies have been created because of the Freedom Convoy that benefits the Canadian citizen? What policies have been enacted in the United States that benefit the citizens of the United States because of the truckers who drove from California to Washington, D.C.? Not one. I'm here to tell you, not one. But what did happen is it brought awareness to thousands of new people that come into the tribe. And as the tribe grows and the tribe puts a stake in the ground, and says, not on my watch. That, that, my friends, is when we start making some real hay. It is haying season, you know. 
Lone Creek Cattle Company providing the opportunity for you as a cattleman of the Great Plains of America to make hay as well. Get more details about how you can be a part of the certified Piedmontese production cycle at LoneCreekCattleCo.com. It's all about using the Piedmontese sires on your cows, selling those calves back to Lone Creek at 600 pounds and getting a ticket of $180 over market price. Details at LoneCreekCattleCo.com. We're back with the second half of Dakota Dakota Trails and Tales. After this, in Dakota Territory. That's what I was trying to say, all in one word. 